it was the first dollar I took of investment is when I took somebody else's money and I told them that I was going to be able to deliver a product, I knew that I wouldn't stop until I was successful because I made a pact. You know, I gave my word that I was going to achieve it. And regardless of what it took, I was going to make sure that happened. Welcome to Buy Sci-Fi Bite-Sized Finance. I'm Kelly Brothers. I'll be your host serving up some of the most succulent stories from our region about people, places, and things that impact our community and your financial well-being. I'm sure there will even be a few tasty surprises here and there when the recipe is right. Our goal is to have you learn, think, even laugh a little bit, all calorie-free. I know you'll enjoy what we're delivering right to your kitchen table or dining room or, sir, will you be eating in your car? Wherever you choose to listen. Welcome back to another edition of Buy Sci-Fi, Bite-Sized Finance. We are pleased to be joined today by a man who's become a, a, a true innovator and entrepreneur and is just thinking differently about things that we see every day but don't really ever think to change. And maybe they could evolve in a very significant way that would benefit us all over time. His name is Neville Boston, founder of Reviver. Neville, great to have you on board today. Great to be here. All right, let me t start with Reviver. Start with the idea that the old plated license plates could evolve and that there would be benefits in all that. How did you come up with the idea? You know something, it's, it's interesting. We're having a conversation about, you know, 08 and what happened with the Great Recession. Yeah. And I had a marketing company at the time, and we were expecting to have explosive growth going into 2009, not to happen. So with, with everything that transpired, I was actually back in California with a friend grabbing dinner and just talking about business and in, in new opportunities because I was looking for something that we could do that would actually be recession-proof. And we started talking about state-owned assets that were being underutilized. So he'd worked in state government for a, at least a decade. He'd worked with John Burton, was a staffer for him, and he had just got to the DMV a couple weeks earlier and had the worst experience. And he, you know, we were talking back and forth and it was like, what is a state owned that has to be renewed every year? And it's like, well, license plates, license plates. And he was like, oh my God, the experience I had was horrible. I had to wait in line, I had to do all these things. And it was like, what if we could digitize it? What if you could do your registration over air? And for me, having a marketing background, I was thinking, what if when the plate you know, with the vehicle stopped, what if we could do targeted messaging, advertising? So that was the idea. It was innovation about registration and then also about marketing, doing, doing both things. So he had a relationship or knew somebody that knew the deputy director of the DMV at the time, a guy named Dennis Clear. And he was able to set up a meeting December of 2008. Wow. And what I thought was going to be a five-minute meeting ended up being in an hour and a half because Dennis got it. The DMV wanted to do more online. They wanted to have less people come in for registration, do more online. So this actually fit with where they were wanting to go. So after that meeting, he was like, you need to talk to my counterpart at the CHP, which was a guy named Avery Brown. So in 2009, in January, we met with Avery and I think 10 other CHP officers. So we're in this room, we don't have any product, we have a deck and we're talking conceptually about what this could be. 
And again, thinking that the meeting wasn't going to go well, but was pleasantly surprised afterwards. What they said is that people normally build something, do it, and then ask for forgiveness later. In this situation, they were like, you guys came to us before you built it, and you're asking for our input. So the deal was, it's like, yeah. So when you build it, come to our test track in Sacramento, test it out, and as you have new iterations, test it with us. So what I got from that is that bring in agencies as partner. The government isn't scary. If you talk to them, they actually talk back. <laughs> if you're nice, they'll be nice to you. Yeah. So my thing was is that we brought them in as partners. DMV from the beginning, CHP from the beginning, talked to them about what we thought. And then we did something. We did a it's, it's SOR, it's a Senate Office of Research. There's something that you can do to kind of get the efficacy of whether there could be legislative support for what we did. So we did that too. And it came back positive. So we started on a process of trying to pass legislation to be able to start piloting our technology. Three and a half years later, we got legislation done. And then it took another two plus years to get an agreement with the DMV to start piloting them on the road. But we were able to do that. So let's paint the picture then, Neville, for, for folks who who might be getting a little lost here. So these are digital license plates, right? These are not the stamp license plate that you used to get in the mail or or used to get at the DMV. This is a digital license plate. Absolutely. And that license or that registration can now be renewed online where you don't have through to Through an app line. on your phone. Through you an can, app on yeah, your phone. Yeah, you can renew your license. So what we did with the technology is that, you know, you're changing something. It's a paradigm shift. It's something that's never been done before. It's, it's a new ecosystem. So we had to make sure we had the right technology. We looked at hundreds of different uh, types of displays. But we came back to the same thing. We needed a bi-stable display that if anything hit it or cracked it, it would still show the license plate. It had to be just like a metal plate. Right. So what we found and what we're using is a bi-stable display. Think about it like your Kendall. Uh, it's an e-ink display. Yeah. So it's ink that basically sets once power is introduced, and then it locks in, and that image is there and it'll be there for 50 years or longer it takes power for it to change so it had the characteristics that we needed in order for us to have something on the road because a normal display if you crack it it blacks out right because oxygen right. is introduced with this you don't have that issue oh I and then see. we did 10-year regression tests on the plate so the plates are ruggedized it goes from negative 40 to 185 degrees fahrenheit we've tested them in arizona We've tested them in Dubai, and we've tested for as far as the cold in Erie, Pennsylvania. It, it is, you know, it's it's there. It's it'll stand the test of time. And so, besides looking cool, the value to the consumer though is what ease of use. Ease of use. You don't have to go to DMV anymore for yeah. for your registration. You can do all of that through your app. Right. So that's I mean that's how we use things nowadays. Do you really go to the bank anymore or do you use your app to do most of your transactions? Right, right. You know, when it comes to social media, remember, Facebook used to be on a computer. Right. Now it's on an app on your phone. Right. Like everything is app driven. And we wanted to make sure that we developed the product in a use that people are used to. You know, this is how you utilize technology nowadays. Tell me about adoption. How, how's it going? It's going great. I would say it's September of last year, we launched the battery operated product. So that's the one that you have in front of you right now. And that product, the, the battery life on it, if it's on a shelf, is 10 years. The use case that we've developed, it's a five-year battery life. 
There are three screws on the back. You can switch out your battery after five years, put it back in, and it operates. It's Bluetooth enabled, so it, it pairs with your phone. It has LTE connections within the plate. So our big thing for the plate is that we're thinking about things. What are the needs? You want to do your registration, licensing, all of that stuff you can do through our app. You know, but what else do you need? This will enable parking and tolling. The plate can become a parking meter. Uh, it can be a kind of a toll transponder. Think about services that you would want. With RFID technology that's built in, you could utilize it for things like payments, pay for your gas, be able to say, hey, I'm at work, but I have, you know, dinner with the wife later, the car is dirty, I want to get it, I want to get a car wash, mobile car wash, you can have them come because what they need from you is location, you can give them location, you know, based on the plate. So you're able to utilize a service that's, I think, really beneficial. And we're working with the DMV to think about unique ways of doing it. Think about specialty plates, cause plates. Yeah, You can do that through this platform because instead of having to go and, you know, make a metal plate, it's a JPEG file that you can update. Well, and plus, Neville, I'm sure there are things that um, I, I can't even fathom yet, but I, when I think... When I think ahead five, 10 years with not just EVs, but autonomous driving vehicles, yes. then, then maybe it becomes even more valuable. Oh, absolutely. I would say folks that have the most, I mean, Tesla drivers when it comes to EVs are huge. City of Sacramento, their EV fleets use our plates because you can, you're able to get the information that you need. They don't have an ODB2 connector within the vehicle that gets them to the CAN bus, but our plate, because it has an accelerometer, it, it gives you the, the same kind of information in a GPS. Wow. And, and so if I, if I have your plate and I sell my car, do I keep the plate and reprogram it for the new car, or do you leave the plate on the old car? You can do whatever you like. Okay. You know, because the plate is yours, the number is the state's. So that's the difference. Before, it's this piece of metal, but the plate comes with you. It's a digital device until it's enabled. That's what makes it different and unique. And what are these? What, what does this cost a consumer? So a consumer, if they wanted to get the R plate, the battery-operated plate, it, you can get it for seventeen ninety nine uh-huh. on a three-year deal. And if they wanted to get the wired plate that's used for like fleets, that's uh, twenty four ninety five for three years. Okay. It's a great value. And how, how is it being accepted now for other states' DMVs or the equivalent? Every state that we talk to wants to play it, and we're working through it. We focused on the top 10 vehicle markets in the U.S. So we're currently, we're in California selling in Arizona. We're fully authorized in Michigan and Illinois. Texas for fleets and full, full authorization we're looking for later this year. Florida, we just introduced legislation. Georgia. Uh, We'll be coming online second quarter of this year. We're doing a pilot in Maryland and Pennsylvania. And Ohio, we should have legislation coming very soon. And then North Carolina, we had a study bill that went. We think by the end of 2021, we'll have about 50% of the driving population in the U.S. And then in 2022, we're going towards 75 to 80%. So we're focused. that's ramping up fast. Yeah. And where, where are these produced? We have our contract manufacturer is in Taiwan, uh-huh. uh, WNC. So that's a partner of ours that we work with. We're also getting ready to launch third quarter going into the fourth, fourth quarter of this year in Dubai. Uh-huh. Uh, we've been working with them over the last four years. There was an RFP that was sent out and we want it. And uh, we'll be launching there, you know, before the end of this year. That's great. That's fantastic. So yeah, you think about, 
I mean, just when you think about the services that government provides that maybe a private vendor could do a little bit better or bring a new, a new paradigm shift in a way that hasn't been thought of. I mean, a lot of people don't realize for many years, people thought the only way you could ship something was through what was through the postal service. Absolutely. And then no, here comes UPS, here comes FedEx and Amazon and Amazon <laughs> and everything else. And, and you didn't need the postal service. And this is kind of the same thing. Do you, do you have your eye on any other government service that could be somewhat privatized in the future? We were, we're looking at a couple different things. Once it's been fleshed out, I'll let you know. But one of the things that we've been able to get, I think that, you know, I want to also talk about is great partnership with the state. That's been something that's been amazing. Every state that we go into is unique. And they've been wonderful because we have a list of services that we can give them and everybody chooses what they need based on what's best for their state. And it's been fun because it's a true public-private partnership. We've also got an amazing partnership with Best Buy. They do all of our installations. So they're our installation partner nationwide. And then when you were talking about, you know, how do these get out to the marketplace? Dealers. So we're working with the Hansel Group. We have the Future Group that we have plates in, uh, Ogara, the Bakhtiari Group, all of these different dealerships that we're actually able to offer plates into. Right. So it's, it's been fantastic, and we'll be bringing on Galpin, which has the largest Ford dealership in the world, as a partner here soon. The dealership is, is a way of getting the plates out. We also have an affinity program that we're launching as well. Arizona State will be our first partner, but we're looking at universities in California that we'll be uh, doing that with as well. That and uh, charities. Okay. This stuff is is important, and I assume that you have a lot of security built in too, where someone couldn't tap in and yeah, change numbers, change a- plates. Absolutely. So this, the, the networks that we're on are AWS for the cloud service, so yeah. all of that's encrypted both AT&T and Verizon. So they're uh, end-to-end encryption. There is, on the plate of itself, uh, there's a key. So you would have to have the right key to actually put any image on the plate. So if you don't have the key and and it's dynamic and constantly changing, you don't have the opportunity to do that. So it's actually safer than an online banking session. Oh, wow. Okay, because I'm thinking of, for example... I know the city of London has such an advanced camera system that if you enter, if you enter in your car the inner city of London, you're actually charged a toll just for entering the most right. inner part of that city. And that's based on license plates, yes. you know? So um, that's great to hear. Tell me a little bit about your journey and when you knew you had the mind, resilience, the long fuse thinkability of, that you could become an entrepreneur, that you could actually look at something, see that it could be better, and then commit to the 10, 15, 20 years it could take to actually get it to market. I'll go back a couple of years. I'll go back about 40 years. It was when I was a paper boy. It's like this is the first entrepreneurial thing. Like you had to get up early in the morning. You're, you're, you're kind of on your own. It's a business of your own. You know, and you, you, you're getting your papers and your other friends are doing things on weekends that you can't do because you have to be home delivering papers. So it's been instilled in me from the beginning. My, I'm first generation here. My parents are Guyanese, so only English-speaking country in South America. And all of my father's siblings have a business of their own. So it was kind of instilled. It's yeah. just part of who you are. But with, with this business in particular, it was the first dollar I took of investment is when I took somebody else's money and I told them that I was going to be able to deliver a product, 
I knew that I wouldn't stop until I was successful because I made a pact. You know, I gave my word that I was going to achieve it. And regardless of what it took, I was going to make sure that happened. I you were accountable to someone other than yourself. 100%. Oh, that's you, great. You have to be. You have yeah. to be. That's what life's about. I mean, those are decisions that are, that are big in life. You could do a lot of things, but the freedom to be able to create something, create something new, see it from the beginning, it's ideation, it's thought, to actual product, to actual product being on the road. So we, we say, you know, we call it seeing a plate in the wild when you see it out there. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's not on a person's car that you know, but somebody else has decided to purchase something yeah. that you ideated about, thought about, created, and, and now is actually real. And it's not just real for you, but it's the state of California. It's mm-hmm. like one-eighth of the driving population in the country is in this state. Yeah. And we are selling plates in this state. It's amazing. And then people that have invested in the company that actually entrusted their money in me is amazing. Like John Thompson, uh, and he was kind of the impetus. So John Thompson, who's the chairman of Microsoft, has been a mentor and an advisor for years. And he invested his own money and made real introductions to be able to make this happen. A person like Nick Brathwaite, who's at WRVI and Michael Marks, people that have been highly successful. Nick was the CTO for Flextronics and Michael Marks was the CEO of Flextronics. Really successful people that through John, I was able to meet that believed enough in me to give me the first term sheet. So those are the kinds of things that are important. Ernst Lieb used to be the CEO of Mercedes-Benz, a board member, but has become a dear friend and, and believed in me to help while I was going through raising money for the company in order to build it out. So. You Isn't look, that kind of the best thing about the entrepreneurial ecosystem are, are those folks who help you along the way and then how it flips and how you now, I'm sure, will help some young entrepreneur when he or she is looking for inspiration. I am or dedicated to that. Yeah. I am dedicated to that because somebody saw something that maybe I didn't fully see and was willing to take the time to help me navigate these waters because I had never done anything like this before. I had never raised money on this level before. Like these people were like gods, like people like I'd never, like I'd read about, but I, I never met. So to be in rooms and having conversations with folks like that, that believed and they were willing to give of themselves. I need to be able to do that for somebody else. I need to be able to give back. To pay it forward. Yeah. Pay it forward. I need to ask you this question, so please indulge me on it. In a, in a year in which, of course, racial strife took many of the headlines, I have to ask you, Neville, as a man of color, on your journey, the color of your skin, did it help? Did it hurt? Was it irrelevant to the journey you took to become a successful entrepreneur? You know, it's an, it's an interesting question. I would love to say that it, was, it didn't play a part. It didn't make it more difficult. I would be naive because I think, okay, when you go out and you're raising money and say you go down to Silicon Valley, people invest in people that look like them. And if the person on the other side of the table does not necessarily look like you or doesn't understand your lived experience, they don't see you in the same way. It's unconscious bias. It's not conscious, I I think, in certain circumstances. Some, it may be. No, fair enough. Yeah, but I think that it's something that happens. What I decided to do after bumping my head a hundred times and getting no uh, when I was talking about investment is that I had to broaden my reach. 
I've raised probably over $12 million out of Australia. I went other places to get money. Yeah, I've got you know, Stephen Polk, who is from Detroit and is a legend, that the Polk family that had R.L. Polk, he's a huge investor in the company. You know, I had to go to, I went to Michigan. I, I went to Canada. I went to London. I went where most people don't go in order to get money. Yeah. You know, the chairman of our board is a guy named Jeff Olinese, and he runs a company named uh, NVD, New Vision Display, and they actually do the uh, the display portion of the plate yeah. for us. And meeting him and him believing in, in the vision for the company and him investing personally and, and also, you know, the company investing, th th those are the things. So I had to think about things differently. Yeah. I had to look at it differently. I had to not wallow in my soup, as they say, and say, woe is me. Yeah. I had to just be creative and I had to be bold. When I met John, I met uh, John Thompson, I met him at a Silicon Valley leadership group meeting. Him and John Doerr, who's a managing partner for Kleiner Perkins, were being honored for a Lifetime Achievement Award. <laughs> and when he came off stage, I went up to him and stuck out my hand and was like, hey, congratulations, and I've got this crazy idea. Would you talk to me about it? And the thing that I think blew my mind was he, he gave me his email address. He said, send me an email. And I did. And he responded at like 6 o'clock in the morning after I'd sent the email and has always made time for me anytime I've called. This the chairman of Microsoft. He was the CEO of Symantec. Like, ran huge companies, but made time. And what that always meant to me was that you always have things, time for things that are important to you. When people say that they're out of time, what they're telling you is that you're not important enough for them to make time for you. Yeah. And what that meant to me was that I always need to set aside time to help people who are trying to get on a journey in the same way. Because it's important to, to till and promulgate entrepreneurism. It's something that we need as a country. It's what makes America great. The ability to come up with an idea that people don't think makes any sense, but creates something amazing on the other side. And we've got to make time for that. And it's, it's important. And that's great. And I appreciate it, Neville, because I think if anything came out last year, it's that these conversations are valuable. You know, just asking these questions, just, just trying to extract something from your experience might open someone's eyes to something that, as you point out, is completely subconscious, that they're not thinking about and they're not in any way malicious, but it might be subconscious, right? Yeah. I think a lot of it is that the last couple of years have kind of been eye-opening from a political standpoint. I think people have seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of folks. I think kind of the nasty underbelly of society is being given license to come out in certain ways, the ending of this election would tell you everything about that and a lack of belief in, in democracy. But I think democracy, and as it does, wins out like it has. Yeah. And I think that's important. A big piece of it is capitalism. And as you point out, uh, one of the great things I love about capitalism, and this was pointed out to me by a cousin who lives in another country, who lives in Ireland, but he told me, he said, you know what I love about America, Kelly, is that when you have guys who are successful, you're cheering them on. You're yeah. pushing them along. You're truly happy for their success. And in other countries, that might not be the case, where if someone has too much success, suddenly they're shunned by their old group or their neighborhood. Right. But here, here it's different. What advice would you have, Neville, 
for a young man or a young woman who's maybe coming out of college. It's somewhat tumultuous times, and they're trying to figure out, do I go down this path, do I go down that path, or do I create my own path? Uh, what advice would you have for that person coming out wondering if they have what it takes to be an entrepreneur? Dream big. Anything's possible. I think what happens a lot of times is that people give up too soon. If you have an idea for something, see it through. I always have the mindset of like, burn the boat. I can't go back. I've got to take your boat. That's the only way that I, I'm getting to where I need to get. So I was like, uh, that's what they said like the Vikings used to do. They used to, they'd come on, they'd burn their boat. And in order for them to get home, they would have to get here. So my whole thing is, it's like, burn the boat. It's not like you have to take anybody else's boat, but burn the boat because you don't have a choice of going back. Yeah, You have to move forward. And I think that the importance of that is, is that, and then also find a mentor. Like here in Sacramento, Alan Warren, who used to be the, was the vice mayor and was on the city council, has been hugely helpful to me. Like he's made amazing introductions to people all around the business community, from celebrities to captains of industry, kind of all around. And that's about find somebody that's willing to mentor you, get an idea, and never give up. Always move forward and don't allow failure to, to dictate what you do. Because entrepreneurship is about looking at the world a different way and seeing solutions in, in areas that people don't see. And if you give up, the world will never see the greatness that's within you. We'll leave it there, man. Can't say it any better. Neville Boston, continued success, my friend. Keep it going. And I look, I look forward to seeing your plates in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, man. Take care. Take care. This Buy Sci-Fi podcast brought to you by CapTrust Sacramento. Genevieve's Burford and Brothers is now CapTrust Sacramento. Our mission is to enrich the lives of our clients, colleagues, and communities through sound financial advice, integrity, and a commitment to service beyond expectation. CapTrust Sacramento. The discussions and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the speaker and are subject to change without notice. This podcast is intended to be informational only. Nothing in this podcast constitutes a solicitation, investment advice, or a recommendation to invest in any securities. CapTrust Financial Advisors is an investment advisor registered under the Investment Advisors Act of 1940. CapTrust does not render legal advice. 